everyone and welcome to episode 18. It is now episode 18, very exciting, of Studio Mate Steve. And I've got a mega special guest today. I am talking to the phenomenally talented, ridiculously talented, and all-round amazing person, Harry Woodgate. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yay! I'm not too bad. Now, I have to apologise because um, I've left you hanging on all day because we were going to record this this morning and then loads of scaffolders started surrounding my flat. So I hope you've been all right today. I have. I have indeed. I've been getting on with some um, roughs for a new book, which is coming along slowly, but, but it's getting there. Oh, good. Oh, we'll talk more about that later. We want some um, sneaky peeks. We want some gossip. We want all the works. But um, first of all, as ever, I'm going to go through your lovely bio. Uh, So here we go. Harry Woodgate is an award-winning author and illustrator who has worked with clients, including, get this, this is a long list, everyone, National Book Tokens, Google, The Sunday Times Magazine, HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster, Walker Books, Anderson Press, Bloomsbury, The Washington Post... Penguin Random House. That is an impressive list, Harry. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been around. <laughs> say, how old are you? You don't look like you're 97. <laughs> Honestly, I probably, yeah, <laughs> probably feel feel quite old after I've sort of spent all the time working. <laughs> but yeah. no, yeah. All work and no play. Um, their books include Grandad's Camper, Grandad's Pride, Timid, Little Glow, Shine Like the Stars, my first baking book, and The Very Merry Murder Club. Grandad Camper, their debut author-illustrated title, won the Waterstones Children's Book Prize, Best Illustrated Book in 2022, as well as a Stonewall Book Award honour from the American Library Association. Then went on to win Children's Illustrated Book of the Year at the British Book Awards in 2023. Huge congratulations, Harry. You've won so much stuff. It's incredible. <laughs> um, Grandad Camper was also shortlisted for the inaugural Polari Children's and YA Prize and was nominated for the Silip Yoto Kate Greenaway Award. Killip, Silip. Silip, Silip, yeah. <laughs> Silip Bang and the Books are Gone. <laughs> the books are the gone. Silip, <laughs> Silip Yoto Kate Greenaway Award. Harry is passionate about writing and illustrating diverse, inclusive stories that inspire children to be inquisitive, creative, kind, and proud of what makes them unique. So thank you again and welcome. Yay! Now, how do you get all this done? I need to know how it started, where you come from, whereabouts you working, your process, absolutely everything, please. Can you tell us first, hmm, what should you go for, what you studied, where you studied and what you studied? Yeah, so I um, I studied illustration at uni. Um, I went to the University of Hertfordshire, um, which was a very good time. I really enjoyed um, yeah, studying there. Um, but I've pretty much always wanted to to be an author and illustrator my mum sort of had it on good authority that like I was I was saying at like nursery school that Uh I wanted to write and illustrate kids books when I grew up and so I sort of cycled through a bunch of other things like I think I wanted to be a counsellor at one point um before I realized that was probably quite heavy going um (laughs) and then like an architect but then I realized there was actually an awful lot more maths involved in architecture than I had ever anticipated. Mm. Um, so yeah, kids' books have kind of always been the thing that I keep on coming back to, or illustration at least. Yes. So yeah. kind of dream come true sort of thing to, to you know, be in the position of, of doing this as a job. 
It's quite yeah. nice. It does feel very lucky, isn't it? Because um, whenever we do school visits, don't we, we sort of encourage children and say, you know, I, when I go back to my old primary school, I would say, look, I was literally on the floor sitting cross-legged uncomfortably like you are now, kids. And, you know, you can, you know, find the right thing for you and you can excel and you can make a nice amount of money and you can have a happier life and everything. So yeah, um, helping it. children to understand that you can be what you want to be can be quite tricky sometimes because you never know what their family backgrounds like and uh, you know there could be all sorts of stuff going on in their life or at school but um you tr try and do your best don't you as an author and illustrator to encourage it all yeah you sort of and also like i always feel like you want to sort of tread the right line between not painting too rosy a picture of like freelance life but also being like please mm. don't settle for less Yes. Like if, if you want to go into something creative, then there are ways of doing that, doing that. And there are ways of sort of, I suppose, climbing up the ladder and getting through some of the barriers that yeah. are unfairly placed um, yes. on you and on certain communities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so because how did you go from university to getting your first job because have you done quite a lot of editorial a lot of your portfolio looks quite editorial there's some amazing um illustrations um sort of sport-based illustrations and lots of really cool angles and stuff i'm guessing that's from editorial work yeah so i i kind of i th i think it was about like my second year of uni i was mm. um I was very precocious at uni. I think I, I was probably a little bit annoying to be around um, at times because I was the sort of one being like, no, I want to do everything right now. Um, I don't want to spend the time sort of developing my work and then sort of, you know, um, going up and finding clients once I've actually finished all of my university de university deadlines. Um, and so I kind of, I spent probably a bit too much time like reaching out to editorial clients and magazines and stuff right. when I should have just been doing the uh, university projects that I was being set. Did that uh, work though because being a bit cheeky and sort of trying to push ahead did you get some feedback and did you get some work from that though? Yeah so uh, there you go uh, yeah and that was the that was sort of the editorial stuff because like it's mm. a quicker turnaround and it's almost like, sort of like, um, oh, what's that kind of training that people do that's high-intensity sort of training? It's sort oh, of like, mean, oh, you mean like physical training? Like, um, yeah. Um, I know what you mean. Sort of, yeah, do do a, a intensive kind of workout in a short space of time. Yeah, it's like the, yeah. it's like the creative equivalent of that because you yes. sort of have <laughs> like a day to think of it. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't yeah, know a the bunch term. of sketches, and then, yeah. and then come up with a, a decent looking illustration on such yeah. a quick turnaround. Yeah. Um, so it's a good way to sort of build those skills, I mm. think. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And how did you develop your style? And what were you using? So at uni, were you using traditional materials? Were you starting to use a computer? How have you evolved that? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a mix, I think. I started off um, very heavily sort of traditional, like the stuff that I was doing at the beginning of uni was um, like really, really detailed, like overly detailed pen and ink, you know, the sort of like really gothic tattoo style illustrations you yes. sometimes see. Um, yeah. I was really into that at the beginning and then sort of maybe halfway through, I got into, um, I suppose the more traditionally picture book kind of illustration and then moved on to doing stuff on Photoshop and then it kind of 
I kind of sort of found a middle ground by the end of uni that that felt um, felt like me and also felt like the best mix between all the lovely sort of handmade textures that you can get with like printmaking and collage and mm. and like pencil texture. You can never get the same pencil texture on Photoshop. I've never found a brush that does it. No, no. And even on um, iPad and everything, there's, there's some that will are almost there, but no, but finding yeah. the right pencil electronically is almost impossible. Yeah, so I sort of found like a, a middle ground where I was scanning all of those bits in and then kind of collaging it together on Photoshop. And that kind of is the, to me, it's the best sort of space between sort of having the, the um, convenience and the efficiency mm. of being able to constantly undo things when you get it wrong or when yes it's like oh, oh i know that we said we like this but actually now we don't like this can you do something yeah. else <laughs> absolutely absolutely um actually before we get too involved into your process and everything which we'll talk about again in a minute we need your description so can you explain whereabouts you don't have to say we don't need your postcode harry but <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like your general setup and you know have you got um a desk have you got a chicken man like carl james i have no chicken man <laughs> oh oh <laughs> i've got two dogs which sort of like hey. they don't tend to stay in the studio very much um right what's your dog's called uh so we've got bear who is 15 oh. um named so because like that's not even her real name but we call her bear because she looks like an old grizzly bear oh. uh and then we have fig so we got her quite oh, recently wow. and she's like a heinz 57 varieties mutt from uh bosnia <laughs> she used to be a, a street dog in bosnia oh gosh okay so you had to go through all the collection process and all that how did that all go yeah it was really good we we got her from a little rescue um and we drove down there yeah. um, to to sort of meet her, yeah. thinking like, oh, if we really like her, then maybe we'll come back another day. And we ended up coming back with her on the same day. Wow. Well, yeah, I bet that I bet that happens all the time. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want to leave them there on their own, do you? Or in that situation, it's like, oh, bless them. And are they um, fitting in well into the household? Yes, she's uh, <laughs> she's a bit she's more nervous than I think the the rescue oh. place thought she was. I think they mm. mistook her her nervousness for excitement. Uh, it turns mm. out that she's actually scared of a lot of things, but I mean she's oh. a little dog, so right. And yeah, okay. out in the big world, and she's got lots of things to sort of get used to and yeah. and learn. But she's doing a good job for the most part. Well, I think it must be quite daunting because um, my dog, Bob, he's tiny. Like I, we, um, on our walk today, we walked past about six other Frenchies and they're so much bigger than Bob. He's just so small. <laughs> everyone everyone thinks he's a puppy and he's not. He's, you know, he's three and a half or three and three quarters nearly. So it must be for a dog, for a small animal. I mean, the world looks terrifying to us, but for them, they're oh, so gosh, much yeah. smaller. And, uh, but they've still got to interact <laughs> with it. It must be, yeah, quite daunting. Yeah, and they've got us, like, we're the ones who are supposed to be, like, you know, making sure that they know it's okay. I know, and we're hoping that it is okay, and we're trying to pretend that we know it is, and we know it kind of isn't okay. <laughs> we're all just wangling it, aren't we? We're just wangling our way through life. So we are, indeed. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, yeah, the, the desk. God. The desk, the desk. Sorry, I could talk about dogs all day. <laughs> I know, me too. Yes, the desk, um, the desk. 
Yeah, so I have got like it's a little studio room um and i have got like what i call my messy desk mm. um which has like the old sort of paint splattered tablecloth and um little clay models so the uh, small world um which is a series i'm doing at the moment with uh Carol Carol. Hart, but, uh, yeah it's simon and schuster uh we've been making lots of little sort of plasticine play-doh models to yeah. put in, in the illustrations so they're a pile of little clay fish and crabs and uh dinosaurs and things um so yeah i've got my messy desk which has all of the paints and the pencils and the the funny little plasticine creations and then i have my sort of neat desk which is my drawing tablet um where i kind of put everything together on photoshop and then i have the shelves of books behind me um for inspiration and um yeah, reminding myself that things that the things I'm making aren't aren't terrible. Um, I just need to give it time. <laughs> <laughs> They're far from terrible, Harry. They're far from terrible. <laughs> but it's good, it's good to to hear that though, because I'm going through ups and downs um, all the time. Every author and illustrator does, don't mm. they? Confidence, and then not being on social media for too long because you see someone else's beautiful artwork, and you're like, "Oh, oh I yeah. love it! I'll never be able to do that. I give up." And then just you have to have a word with yourself, don't you? And think, look, what I'm doing is pretty good. It must be pretty good. I'm getting contracts. I'm getting decent sales. I'm le- just keep going. I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you're so close to something, when you're sort of seeing it day in day out, you mm. lose your perspective on it. Yes. Um, yeah you sort of fail to, like, the novelty wears off. That's what it is for me, especially. And I always have the problem of saying yes to too much work because I'm craving the novelty of being like, oh, a new exciting project. Yes. And then then realising that you have to actually do the thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Although, if you get the balance right, which I never really have, so I can shut up, but um, if (laughs) if you get the balance right, it's a good way because you might get a little bit tired with one project and then suddenly you might get a bit of news or a new contract or an exciting award nod or something. You're like, oh, that's perked me up again. I feel like I could do it. Or you might get a lovely review um, or a comment from some school kids or teachers. Oh, my goodness, the comments are the nicest. Yes, yeah. So I think that's when social media is brilliant because like, oh, I'm so glad that I can be in touch with the lovely teachers and get in touch with the kids and they're, they're sending images and they're being inspired and that does perk you up doesn't it mm, yeah for sure and it's 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 the messages where people have taken so much time to be like i've related to these specific parts of the book and mm-hmm. like these specific parts of my life and yeah it's kind of oh i don't know what the word is but like you you sort of get like i don't know flabbergasted gobsmacked or yes yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's so nice. It is so strange because we are all quite solitary and we're all working on our own. And then suddenly you might be at a party or suddenly you're at a festival or a school and you've got to be this sort of entertainer. Mm. Um, I mean, the more you do it, like I was terrified to begin with, but the more you do it and the more you learn from other people that you watch. And maybe, you know, it's nice when we work with other authors, isn't it? Because then, because I I know Carol Hart's really good at doing um, events. Yeah. Yeah. So if you do events with her, you know, you're in good hands. So that kind of, yeah, you, you learn from other people that you work with. And it's building confidence. But even if even if you kind of know what you're doing, you still might have the odd wobbly day or a tiny bit of criticism or a big amount of criticism might suddenly just send you completely round the bend and just start you, yeah, spiralling into 
um i don't know <laughs> into all sorts of emotions we have to we've got to keep being strong haven't we and finding happiness and motivation where we can grab it i think yeah and i've, I've also sort of thought that like i i don't know like it's been helpful to me to just compare it to like other jobs that i might be doing like yeah i have to view it that like this is a job in the same way that like when I was working in retail, that was a job and I check in and I do what's necessary and then I rest. And yes. it's, 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 it's exactly the same. It doesn't matter the fact that we're being creative. We still sort of have to, you know, check in, do the work and then, and then check out. Yeah. Yeah. Important bit. Now I want to know what kind of retail work you were in. I was, I was doing, I was in a clothes shop just doing retur- returns, refunds, mm-hmm. um, Oh, now, have, you got, have you got this size? Oh, yeah, I'll check in the stock room, even though you know that <laughs> there are no more of that size. There are no more of that size. Now, I want to know which shop. You're allowed to say uh, which yeah, shop. Yeah, white stuff. Um, oh, white, so, oh, that's quite yeah. a cool one, white stuff. Yeah, you? it was quite quite middle class. But, um, <laughs> my, I, the only reason why I, it piqued my interest is my brother, did the, my brother Matthew, did the youth training scheme, and he worked for Burton's Menswear for years oh, right. and years. Yeah. He worked his way up from, from, from youth training scheme to area manager. He did very well. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, since left Burton's. I think, is Burton's still get Burton's is still going, I think. I, I think it might be. I don't I'm know sure how. I'm sure I've seen some <laughs> things. Right, yeah. <laughs> how it's going, but it's going right. Oh my god, what were we talking about? Why are we talking about burn? <laughs> um, no, we're talking about jobs, we're talking about life, we're talking about life, we're talking about uh, uh yes, uh, live work, all that. Now, I want to know more about the books that you've worked on. Your work, you just mentioned My Small World, which is a series with Carol Hart and Simon mm. Schuster. Now, the first is the first one, the dinosaur one, yes. The first one is the dinosaur one. I'm so pleased I got to do a dinosaur book, like which has. <laughs> Now, I'm slightly angry with you, actually, because um, I, I'm not, oh, actually, I'm not really allowed to say, but I might be working on a bit of a dinosaur book. And, oh, um, oh, that's uh, Annoyingly, you have made the best dinosaur map uh, I've ever seen. <laughs> so if I have to do a dinosaur map in my book, which I think I might, it's not a picture book, don't panic, I'll have to obviously not copy yours. So well, how about now, like a dinosaur footprint? It's now, yeah, well, that's a good idea. Yeah, no, it's lovely. I love that book, My Small World. I'm a big Carol Hart fan as well. I've known her for a long time. Oh, me, me too. Well, I haven't known her for a long time, but I've been a fan for a long time. She's great, isn't she? She's just great. And then, so is the next one Underwater? It is. Um, I'm supposed to be getting the revised final artworks through um, in the next couple of weeks. So that's the next thing on the list. But I'm quite excited about this one. It's got a fun cover. Right. Um, Mm. With a nod to a certain um, famous band who did a song about um, an underwater submersible. So, oh, <laughs> I was trying to think what you meant. I was like, oh, what? I was thinking of that baby that's underwater. But that, that was not that. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, no. Um, not, not the Nirvana one. The, uh... That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, a bit of not joys. Um, there isn't a shark on the cover. Is I'm terrified of sharks. Is there a shark? Uh, oh gosh, I think there might be. There are sharks okay. in the book. There is. Oh a God, Fred. Oh, I might have to skim past. Honestly, any shark book or anything, I have to skim past the sharky pages. Oh well, the, the, right. So I I can't remember the name of it, but there was this really. Um, I found it terrifying at the time, but there was this CGI documentary about deep sea creatures when I was um, growing up. And it, it yeah. had this 
section about sperm whales and how deep they dive. And it was this CGI image of like an ocean shelf with a whale diving over the edge of this ocean shelf and then just into this abyss. And ever since, I've just been presenaturally terrified of, of deep water, like for, what is it, like thalassophobia? Oh, probably. Don't ask me. I don't they're, know. They're, it's one of those sort of long <laughs> descriptive names. But yeah, so yeah. that was an interesting one, doing the whale spread. <laughs> that um because uh sophie hen does her life-size series and there's one with a shark on the cover can't go near it can't touch it i'm sure i'm sure it's lovely sophie but i ain't going near that book um, and then you've got your fantastic well i love my favorite of yours actually at the moment is little glow i've always really liked little glow oh, i just love the, i love the little character of the flame i just think they're so cute yeah that was a really nice one to work on and i think like katie's text katie's yeah. story is just gentle yeah. it's that perfect sort of autumnal feeling i think i remember yeah. Alex sent us like a mood board of how they wanted it to look and i was like mm. Mm, yeah this is a really cozy sort of yeah warming book yeah beautiful festivally it makes me want to eat oh, what did i used to have when i used to go to the carnival and uh, no the um fireworks in congleton with my dad to- uh, toffee but it's like dark really dark toffee dark sticky toffee mm. oh, treacle toffee treacle toffee treacle. Yeah. Have a, a bag of treacle toffee when you read Little Glow. That's time I like to do. Now, do you do, looking at your covers, do you do the typography as well sometimes or all the time? Or how does that work with you? Yeah, I, well, I, I found this really interesting when you were chatting to Carl. And yeah. How he does it. Because I'm the same way, like, wherever possible, I do the text yes. and type as part of the image because it's one. Yeah one image and i i've always sort of found it weird when you just get like a font placed over the top of an illustration yeah and so Uh, like either it's me doing the the type yeah and the designer is on board or i've done several like uh murder club um yes i worked with uh the amazing ryan hammond yeah and he he did like he's a master of of typography he really like is. handwritten sort of um like with all the little um like drips coming off the bottom of the letters yeah. and yeah. Uh, little sort of gold um decorations all of that yeah. so he did that and then i kind of designed the image around it around it yeah but like the he... principle is the same is that like the type and the illustrations are all one thing they have to work together yeah they do they can really there's um i'm not uh, i won't name names there's one picture book that's just come out and it looks great and it's a really great picture book but there is a font that they've used on the title and it oh, it really really bugs me <laughs> i don't it just takes you out of the oh, world it's it's driven i keep seeing it everywhere and i'm like who who signed that off who oh. <laughs> anyway uh, i'm not, i'll say no more about it i'm not being not negative it's a positive podcast it's a great book but <laughs> who chose that anyway uh, you've also done two of my favorites of yours you've done granddad's camper and granddad's pride so how did those come about because obviously you wrote both of those too and mm-hmm. along with timid as well from being an illustrator to then writing your own how did you find that and was it an easy process did the publishers sort of go along with it straight away and be like yes we want you to write something or did you have to persuade them have you got an agent by the way i haven't asked you. i do have an agent yeah the oh. um, amazing wonderful alice at uh, ash literary 
Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Good on Alice. Yeah, so what was the process for you writing? Because it's, it's, again, it's a bit, it's another daunting thing, especially if, if you're, you know, you're trained as an illustrator and sort of like me, you know, you obviously you did English at school and all that, but um, it's quite far removed writing stuff for school and doing exams to suddenly mm. write. Because creative writing, I didn't do creative writing at school. Did you? I did, actually. I had, so I had one, well, no, I had more than one, actually. I was quite lucky in the English teachers that I had because they were all quite into, like, creative writing. Um, so I've got, I did this really, and looking back, it was just like a, a rehash of, of Star Wars, basically. Oh, right. <laughs> um, but I did, I, yeah, I did this whole, like, I say series. I, I say that generously. Mm. Um, but this whole sort of sci-fi um, story about like escaped aliens and and spaceships and and portals. So I yeah I was always quite into creative writing, but whether it was actually any good is probably yeah. another matter entirely. But I guess with creative writing though, it's partly about the writing, but it's also about your imagination, isn't it? And just going, oh, it's going fully going about, crazy. Yeah, about the imagination, definitely. Yeah, That's why I'm much. always like with events as well, like telling kids that it's not about how well you can like get rid of the the idea of good and bad drawings and start yeah. thinking about how you feel when you're drawing. Absolutely. And then that produces your best drawings, then you don't exactly. have anything to worry about it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's all about having the fun with it, isn't it? How did you start writing? I'm guessing, do you do little scribbles and little drawings of your ideas along with your text, or how do you write? Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty much that. Like I, I and it's it's a bit weird actually with picture books. I tend to write the whole text. Yeah, and I overwrite quite a bit. So there's a lot of cutting down, but I always find it easier to write quite a long text and then chop parts out and put them into illustrations. Yeah, rather than I don't know, sometimes, like, there's so many gaps in the text of a picture book that are mm. filled by the images, and it's quite hard for me, like, in my head, I can't visualise those gaps without having actually written what, at all. what's, yeah. what's yeah. going to be in those gaps, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I guess you've got to edit, even though, yeah, it's sort of self-editing, but then you've got to... I guess it's part, it's just part of the process, isn't it? You know you've got to overwrite, and you know that, oh, that bit will go, I'm sure, but I've just got to get it out of my system. I've got to get it all down onto a page or onto a computer, and then I can start editing and working out what... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like, even earlier today, like, I was reading back through the... I've got a PDF of the picture book I'm working on now, and I've been going through making notes, like, this sentence can go because it's in the illustrations, or this yeah. sentence can go because, like, it's it's superfluous and it's going to be more elegant without it. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with picture books. So much of it is what you don't include. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As much um, as what you do, because there is there is so much detail. I don't know how you get it all done. Now, everyone that I've spoken <laughs> to is a really successful, very busy illustrator, and you're way up there with the best of them. But there is so much detail in so many of your illustrations. I don't know how you do it. And I've seen some of your beautiful roughs recently that you've put on social media too. And your your roughs are quite detailed. Oh, yeah. They? Well, you see, that's, that's me trying to show myself in the best light. Because, <laughs> oh, you, uh, haven't, you haven't seen the first roughs. Like, the first roughs <laughs> are stick people. Do you do like, the thumbnails? Yeah. Do you little thumbnails? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and the thumbnails are always half the, like, not even half, like that page it would literally just be like a 
a square for a, a map yeah. and then like a bunch of stick figures pointing at it like it's yeah yes yeah basic basic yeah sorry what was the question i've well just all the detail because when i had a meeting when i first signed up with puffin the brilliant designer claire doughty said now are you an illustrator who does detailed roughs or are you an illustrator who adds lots of detail as you do the color artwork and i'm like i'm the latter because when i'm roughing i don't know what it is when i'm doing my roughs i just can't add all the little extra bits of you know if the little character appears, then, you know, they've got their own little story through the book. Like in Shifty and Sam, there's the little spider. I can't, yeah. I just can't work out all the detail in black and white with a pencil. I just, I don't know what it is. And so all the basics are there. And then fortunately now the publishers trust me to add all the detail in the colour. But it looks like you do very, eventually you do very detailed roughs. Yeah, I think, I think we're probably the opposite ends of the spectrum yeah on that like in that respect because i've always and i think this is probably just as much to do with me as it is like the publishers or whatever is that like i find it very difficult to do a very um rough rough and um like i want to know what's going to be in the final illustration i want to be sure of like okay well this character is going to be here Uh, I'm going to use these colours. This is, like, the general profile of, like, uh, shading, dark and light and all the rest of it. Um, I think it's more like it's a safety net for me knowing where everything's going to be. Yes. Even if that means extra work. (laughs) I think, God, it always means extra work. (laughs) Of course, yeah, because I guess it works both ways because I think, oh, well, I'll I'll know what I'm doing by the time I get to it. And then sometimes I do think, oh, if I'd done a detailed rough, I wouldn't need to still be thinking about it as much. I'd just be colouring by now. Mm. So I sometimes do shoot myself in the foot. So maybe with my next picture book, I might force myself to just go that extra mile and do the more detailed roughs and see. Yeah, whereas I think I'm going to try and, like, just chill out a bit (laughs) and and maybe give a bit of space for, like, spontaneity and, like, things just organically like i think that that's what's really nice about like traditional media like just drawing with an actual pencil oh my yeah. god what thought <laughs> yes yeah like oh. is that there's unpredictability in it and you don't know what's going to come up and that's quite nice and you, i find that i i especially with granddad's pride i lost that because of how yeah. detailed the roughs were yeah because i guess you don't want to make give you I guess if you go too detailed and it's all totally there, it's a bit like just making your own colouring book that then you oh, just yeah. colour in. Colour by numbers, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. Kind of what it ended up being a, a little bit. Like yeah. I don't want to like talk badly about it, but because I am, I'm proud of how it looks. But yeah, oh my god, it was a lot of like those crowd scenes. <laughs> I'm never doing a crowd scene again. Yeah, there's a lot of crowd scene in Grandad's Pride. All beautiful, but yes, there's a lot of characters there. So how long did it take? Because I, I am generally, genuinely, rather, wondering how you do get it all done, because I think I, I must talk to Ed Veer, because I want to be a bit more Ed Veer, because he bring, I'm not, there's no shade here, there's no shade here at all. Mm. But Ed Veer will bring out a book, like, every two or three years, and then oh, ride high I with that wish one book. I could like, do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. I, oh, yeah, I'm with you there. 100% I have so much respect for that yeah I mean, like it's... taking your time on making everything a masterpiece like yeah. I'm here I'm, for it I'm gonna get Ed on here in the next um, season of the podcast and, and probe him and ask him exactly 
how he survives. But yeah, so, so you know, congratulations on Grandad's Camper winning so Thank many awards you. as well, and Grandad's Pride. Fantastic. Is there going to be another one? I, I feel like two is just an irksome number. There's got to be three <laughs> Grandad books. We have talked about it, and <laughs> I. I was very clear, unless the story presents itself to me as like something I have to write. Yeah, yeah. It's not happening. No, no. So you put some on the back burner for now and then maybe. Yeah, like maybe in a, a few years. I don't know. But like I can't see uh, a specific story at the moment okay. for those characters. But like maybe... Maybe it might be some of the, the supporting characters who have another story. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes, and Grandad could quite, feature yeah. somewhere. I quite like the idea of, like, <laughs> this is going to sound, like, so narcissistic, but, like, a cinematic <laughs> universe. I just, I love, Ooh. like, putting little details or little characters that feature in one book uh, yeah. and then feature in another. Or, like, yeah. the curtains in in the town hall of Grandad's Pride are like a little bit of a nod to the... the I love all that. He's timid. Yeah. Um, I love... Um, you're contractually limited if it's a different publisher. Yes, you have to be careful, don't you? Because I know um, Lydia Monks often puts um, the Gruffalo in her <laughs> books, which I think is okay. Contractually, well, if it's not, she's in trouble, but I'm sure, she, I'm sure it's all <laughs> fine. She shows everyone, so it must be fine. But yeah, no, I love all the Easter eggs and everything, because obviously... Pixar made Easter eggs sort of famous, didn't they, years ago, but putting their own characters and little nods to other Disney characters and things in their mm. other films. And so, yeah, no, I love all the additional things that you put in you. Because children notice all these little things. They love spotting things. They and the, do. Cont- the continuity throughout a book, children can get brilliantly, really interested. It's like, oh, look, Mum, I found it there. I found it. Look at that. And that was there. And now they're doing this. And yeah, really clever. So, yeah, yeah very good. You're and very it's, good it's like, it's visual literacy, isn't it? It? that's how you build visual literacy yes is, is picking out details and making connections and seeing the patterns and yeah uh, and like it's not even just picture books like it's it's reading data and diagrams and yeah. watching films yeah. and yeah. yeah i will never i'll never stop banging on about like how important visual literacy is and teaching that in, absolutely it's so important in books Uh, Now, uh, we're taking a little break, but we're still talking about books because it's time for our... Studio Mate Steve suggests section. Now, I'm going to go first this week, hope you don't mind. I won't talk too long. I have fallen in love this week. Oh, it's the cover instantly makes you want to purchase this book. And it's called An Adventure for... Now, I think it's Leah... Um, an Adventure for Leah and Lion, and it's by Al Rodan. Sorry if it's Rodin, but I would imagine it's Rodan, like the art, like the artist, I'd imagine. So, yeah, An Adventure for Leah and Lion by Al Rodan. It is gorgeous. You might have seen it on social media. It's kind of everywhere. I think Al's been doing some windows as well. I'm sure I've seen some windows somewhere. A beautiful big lion, sort of Aslanic lion on the cover with um, a small child on the left with a net, with a net which instantly just draws you in because you want to know is this lion going to eat this child? Are they going to interact? Are they going on an adventure? And they certainly do go on an, uh, on a phenomenal adventure. And it's all about compromise and friendship, 
a bit of conflict and it's just lovely about sharing and sort of classic themes but uh, done in a in a really beautiful new way and the cover is just it's like summer on a cover and it's from puffin books puffin books an adventure for leah and lion so you must have a look at that one harry if you haven't already i have got it up i've got the uh i've got the amazon page up for my sins um <laughs> don't buy it the... from there harry don't buy it from <laughs> I there go independent it from now i'll be buying it from there <laughs> local bookshop but um oh my goodness it's beautiful like, isn't it look at that lion it's yeah just... it's only interiors but it's like that it almost reminds me of monet lilies some of yes. the, the inside spreads yes because some, yeah the lion sort of changes sometimes it's just like outline sometimes it's full cut it's, it's yeah it's really beautifully done but it's just the lighting around the lion on the cover and the child's expression and i, I it just it's magical isn't it Mm, very very special book so which book have you chosen harry so i have chosen so it's not a picture book this time but i have chosen um drawn to change the world which is a graphic novel collection sort of anthology um which is written and partly illustrated by emma reynolds oh i Um, love emma's stuff so so good so talented oh my goodness It, so it features 16 youth climate activists uh, illustrated by 16 artists. And so it's all sort of like comic panel format, the, the, talking about like the, the, the biographies of these different climate activists and how they sort of got into their respective sort of areas of activism, the things that they've done. And it's, it's sort of diverse looking at activists from all across the world so we've got like indigenous activists activists who are also sort of looking at the intersection of like climate uh, and gun violence and Mm -hmm. activists who are also like entrepreneurs and inventors who've created materials in a responsible sustainable sort of way and the the illustrations like because it's 16 different artists from uh, all around the world from the the sorts of like countries that the activists are from as well there's such a lovely variety of of different art styles and different interpretations yeah it looks good uh, i've just got i've opened if, if you want to have a look it's i mean the listener i know you've got it harry <laughs> emma reynolds illustration.com she's got a page all about it and where you can pre-order it and mm. Now, you've done this as well. I know we can pre-order a granddad's camper van, can't we? A pin badge we from your website. Yeah. On Emma Reynolds' website, it says pre-order exclusively with your indie bookshop and you get a wooden pin badge that says drawn to change the world. And it oh, my beautiful. goodness. Oh, I have not seen this yet. It looks, it looks lovely. So, yeah, it looks really cool. I love a graphic novel or a book that's got lots of different styles because, again... It, it wakes you up every <laughs> every other page. You're like, oh, my God, this is new. It's like a new visual language that I'm getting used to and falling in love with here. I love it. So I'm going to pre-order that to get my badge. Absolutely. It looks mm, wonderful. Yeah, me too. I also really, I like, I really like the fact that because like, like it's such a global issue. Yeah. There yeah. Is, like there is, it feels like such a natural way to approach such a huge issue that like affects everybody. Yes. Um, and like uh, as Dapo has said in his blurb for the book, like it, it does such a great job of like decolonizing right, this yeah. this sort of um, space of climate activism and showing that there are people from all around the world it's who are worldwide, absolutely who are fighting for this in their own communities and doing it in their own different ways. And 
and that that is the way forward yeah and yeah. it's it's got this lovely sort of message of like hope against sort of climate doomism this yeah. sort of idea that like oh well we're already locked into this amount of uh, global warming so therefore there's no point nothing like, we can do yeah like it's really fighting against that idea which i think is incredibly important yeah i know it's great and it's out on the 12th of september so yes everyone pre-order that now and the lion book that i mentioned is already out to purchase so thanks harry that's brilliant i hadn't heard of that one so now that's on everyone's radar that listens so that's brilliant thanks so much now we've got another we've got a couple of questions for you as well um, we're hurtling through. We've, been, we've got long left. The first question is from the Little Literary Society, who's lovely. They are on. I think they're on Instagram and Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, they would love to know more about how you achieve the glow of light in your books, and also if there's a particular character who particularly resonates with them from all your work. Well, that's quite a wide ranging oh. question. So yeah. So first of all, how do you achieve the glow? Because yeah, she's right. How do you get that? Because, like, um, again, going back to Little Glow, the flame looks like it's actually on fire. It's so bright and beautiful. How do you achieve that in your in your work in your files? What do you do? Uh, oh gosh, um, I think probably it's just like so. My files are like I I always. Like, well, no, I don't always apologise. I probably should always <laughs> apologise to, like, my designers because <laughs> so many of my Photoshop files are just massive, like, like thousands yeah. of layers um, of, of just textures and textures and textures. Um, and so a lot of those sort of really glowy images are lots and lots and lots of layers of, of paint and pencil and pastel and all sorts of stuff kind of yeah bonked on top of each other and all the like like different blending modes on photoshop i kind of just mm -hmm. go a bit wild yeah <laughs> with yeah. with like um screen and color dodge and all of the rest of it just until yeah. it sort of looks zingy so vibrant. Um, professional term but like <laughs> no that's good do you this is a really nerdy question actually i don't think i've asked this before unless i asked tor freeman in the first episode what dpi do you work at <laughs> nerd alert nerd <laughs> alert um so for the most part i work um at 100 percent size 300 dpi oh just yeah. because like I think my computer would die if I went exactly larger. Yeah, because I, I used to. I, yeah, I used to do exact size six hundred DPI, and oh it would just go bonkers. And then I realised three hundred is fine, even if yeah. even if actually you end up printing things out for a window display or a larger. It's never that. It's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. And also, no. I don't. I don't know whether this is actually how you do it but um apparently like large scale like window hoarding and um all the sort of commercial printing you can just lower the dpi of like a 300 dpi image and it is fine yes. like what they do because you see yeah. it much further away that like your brain doesn't actually notice exactly. the difference exactly no it's fine i oh, know it's lovely i mean i love the the dragon spread on little glow that's the one yeah, that makes that's me want one to... my favorites actually yeah i love it and all the halloween that's why it makes me want to have treacle toffee because it just feels like it's suddenly nearly christmas uh, actually have you got the, a, 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 a yeah 
Um, you, I know it's too hot to think about Christmas. Have you got a Christmas? But hold on, well, you did um, the very Mer- merry murder club. That yeah, was the Christmas very merry murder club. Yeah, but you haven't got a Christmas. Are you doing a Christmas picture book? I feel like you should do. Um, I haven't got one in the works at the moment, but maybe one day. Um, oh, I suppose actually, no, I've got a middle grade series that I'm doing, and there is Christmas uh, adjacent book okay. within that. Ooh. <laughs> A Jason O'Donovan. I like it. Jason <laughs> Donovan. Jason Donovan. Yeah. Um, uh, we've got another question. You work on a lot of fiction titles, but you also do a lot of non-fiction titles. Which do you prefer and why? And mm. because I've I've been asked to do a few non-fictions and it just makes my hands claw. I just go, <laughs> no. Ugh. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I just oh. can't imagine doing one. But then there's so many brilliant, like you know, your small world uh, books and, and everything. And 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 again, Sophie's life size. That yes, they're non-fiction, but they're fun and they're entertaining and they're beautiful. Whereas when we were growing up, non-fiction was kind of children's Britannica. And well, yeah. I think you're younger than me. But when I was growing up, um, it was children's Britannica, like it or not. And I, I like it. I did not. Oh, yeah, well, and I had, like, the DKI Witness books. Yes, oh, well, they were good. Yeah, they were good. They were actually all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, but... And actually, David Bellamy's <laughs> I Spy books, I was mm-hmm. obsessed with those. Yeah, there were actually quite a few, like, but but they were definitely, like, hard non-fiction books. They were a bit boring. Back. Yeah, they were a bit boring. Um, no, I, I quite like the sort of um, narrative non-fiction i guess you could call it is yes like, yeah, yeah where it's where it's non-fiction but it's got some kind of storyline so shine like the stars with anderson is yes it's like that and then um and then yeah i suppose like small world is sort of in that space yeah um Definitely. they're always quite fun because it, it kind of it ties in a storybook sort of feel with you know actually being able to learn something specific about a thing yeah. which is quite nice um yeah. i did enjoy doing um so i've got how to spaghettify your dog that looks great uh, written by heba Khan, who i think is a brilliant brilliant non-fiction writer and yeah. there, there are so many puns oh my god is that one out yet uh no it's it's august um so it's coming out soon oh i'm um, gonna i'm gonna contact your publicist and get a, get a cheeky <laughs> early copy but yeah, that that's a lot more like I suppose classic nonfiction, and so right. that was quite different to do. Um, yeah. I think I don't know. Like, I think more than having a favourite, I just like the variety of doing a bunch yeah. of different things, like fiction titles as well. Just yes, you know, because it's it, it's a bit different. It has it, you know, means that you're not always doing the same thing every day. No, no, it's great. And you even did a. Um, I love your. Um, first baking book by the Bake Off winner, David Atherton. That's mm. Because you even added little scenes that make that feel not like just your average recipe book either. You know, you've got the kids being entertained by cooking and, you know, eating the produce that they've made and everything, and little mice characters, and it's really, <laughs> it's really beautifully done. Oh, my God, the mice characters are what won me that pitch, actually. I really <laughs> yeah. very, I mean, they're very cute. Thank you. Yeah, no, that was a good one as well. Uh, it's quite Cheeky nice. That, yeah. That yeah. they'd established that format already, um, right? And so it was quite nice to sort of have the format set in stone, but yeah. then be able to bring my own thing to it. Yes, yeah. 
I know it's lovely, it's really nice. How to, um, tell me about how to build a city because I've not seen that one. Is that one out as well? Oh yeah, that that was the while. I did that when I was at uni. That was the first oh, wow. one I did. Oh, that's why I've not seen it then because it's an older one. But I've just yeah, seen that was out in twenty. Amazing. Oh, I don't know, 2018 or 2019? Again, far too much detail. Oh, God. God. I don't know how you do it. And I hadn't... I was, like, vehemently against copy and pasting at that point. Like, I was... (laughs) I was like, no, I I have to do everything by hand. Every tree. Literally every single window. And I did count at one point. I can't remember (laughs) how many it was, but it was, like, ten. Of thousands of windows in this bloody book. <laughs> Lovely neck. Yeah, it looks quite intense. It looked gorgeous though, but yes, Thank intense. You. Yeah. <laughs> now we're nearly out of time, so I'm going to ask you before we go. Well, a couple of things. I don't know if you had time to think about it, but obviously you work generally on your own. Some. Mm. If you could have anyone join you where you work, or if you could go and join someone else as a studio mate. Can you think of anyone or or a group of people? Or it could be it could be an animal. It could be a make believe. <laughs> it can be anything. Who would be your ideal studio mate and why? Oh God, I don't know. I like so. Um, my cousin Vicky Woodgate, who is also an illustrator, <gasps> yes, lives down in Brighton and has a studio um, with a whole bunch of like other artists and filmmakers. I think that's. And that's what I miss from uni, actually, as well, is just having lots of people. So I don't know whether it would necessarily be, like, one specific person, but maybe just, like, I don't know, like a a hall hall of fame of, like, all my favourite illustrators and authors, maybe, as well. Like, yeah, just lots of people. But I I would never get any work done. That's the problem. I would just be chatting to everybody all the time and being a general nuisance. Um, (laughs) A nuisance, but yeah, it's tricky when there's more chat going on, it's difficult to work. Um, Would you not be tempted to move to Brighton and see more of your cousin? (laughs) cousin? Um, I I do love Brighton. And maybe, yeah, maybe one day. I do like sort of um, being in countryside where I am. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe one day. That's a good answer, though. I think a, ni- a nice, fun gang that you can hang out with when you mm-hmm. when you fancy it, and then you can just tell them all to go away when you're... <laughs> when I've got and... a deadline. Yeah, exactly. And now you've kind of touched on a few bits and pieces that you might be working on, but can you give us some juicy gossip about your next book or two that are coming mm. out, or what you're working on right now? So obviously, we've got the small worlds ones yeah. coming out. So I think there's one coming out next year, and then one in 2025. Oh my god. Mm. it's always the worst part of publishing like seeing the dates of when stuff is going to be published and thinking like is that a real year (laughs) i know well i often think oh i hope i'll be okay i hope i'll be around (laughs) no literally i I got like i got and i got a death of the author clause in one of my latest contracts i've I've seen seen this before (laughs) god it's so terrifying isn't it like, oof, so morbid. <laughs> Mind you, at least, well, the thing is, if we die, we'll be dead. We won't know about it, so it's fine. Well, no, exactly. can sort all that out. We can... <laughs> yes, what anyway. Out? So what's out got... from my, my Small World and what yeah, else? Got... My Small World, uh, we've got, I've got a picture book with Anderson, which hasn't been announced yet, which is Ooh. probably also 2025. Ooh. And then one other project with Anderson, which is not a picture book, right. uh, which, again, not been announced yet. Uh, I've got a US only book coming out next year mm-hmm. uh, and then a middle grade series, which, again, 
I think that's probably all I'm allowed to say about it. That sounds <laughs> like a weird thing about publishing and NDAs and everything. I know, yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds a few like things in the world. That sounds like plenty. Good grief. Because you must have, what are your general working hours? Are there, is it sort of, you know, do you get up early or do you work more in the evening? How do you sort out your time? I would say pretty solidly like 10.30 to 6.30 p.m. Right, okay. With, with lunch good. in the middle. Yeah, I try, yeah. I like, I... I've got this rule now because I never used to stick to it, but never mm-hmm. weekends and never evenings. Wow. Oh, that's good. So okay. It is like as close to a nine to five that I can get yeah. for somebody who doesn't wake up early enough to do a nine to five. Right. And that sounds like a good plan. I think that sounds very good. And um, it's difficult because then obviously you do windows and events and things and that can chip into your time then, can't it? So then do you sort of, work the odd evening or the odd weekend if you've you know been out all day doing a window or something or do you just think well that day's gone to that so i'll just carry on as normal yeah like uh, very occasionally uh weekends can be for a window display or like an illustration mm. market or something but like oh yes as you much just, as possible yeah you just yeah, did but... the illustration market in granary square how was that this weekend oh they're so good I, Good fun, like, I would it? always recommend the illustrators fair as like a really good bet for an illustration market because it's mm. always really well publicized, really well attended. Yeah. Um, and Michael and Holly and everybody else who sort of organize it are just really, really committed and always do such a good job. So yeah. that's, that's always worth doing. Yeah, for sure. It's really good now because I did it a couple of times when it was literally outside Waitrose in the outside yeah. bit. Yes, it was covered, but at oh God, night... It was so cold, wasn't it? <laughs> well, also, there was no lights at night, so everyone was holding up their mobile phones trying to yeah. show their wares. <laughs> Were you in there in, like, 2017, 2018? Yes. In the, the, the yes. Christmas fairs, and everybody yeah. was just absolutely freezing. freezing. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. So it's in a much better place now. It's in a warmer place in St. Martin's. Mm. Uh, yeah. College. It's literally um, just next door to there, but it's, yes. oh God, it's so much better. It makes much more sense. And also, um, years ago, there didn't seem to be as many children's authors and illustrators, but now there's a lot of them. Like um, Sharon King Chai was there, mm. and Ella Morella. And, yeah, Momoko um, as well. You were there. and Yeah, no, it was, it was really good. So, yeah, highly recommend. Especially, and, and you don't have to be a published author to go there, do you? Or anything? No. You, can be, um, you just need to be an, an artist to sell your they're, stuff. They're, they're really popular now. So they do kind of, mm. I think they kind of curate it a bit to make sure you've got like a good range of different illustration styles. Yes, um, yeah. But yeah, you just they announce applications, you apply, you pay your table fee, yeah, uh, and then you turn up, and it's a great time. Yeah, oh no, it's really good. So, do you think you might do the Christmas one as well, or what? Well, the next one, whenever. Yeah, next if, if they'll have me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'd be tempted. I don't think I'll be able to this year, but I might try and do the next like spring. I think there's one at spring, wasn't there, or something? I, I remember. I yeah, I think they normally they they do the two, don't they? They do yes. one in spring, summer, and then they do one in Christmas. Yeah, so no, I might pop along again. But um, look, thanks so much, Harry. I really appreciate your time. You're obviously a very busy person, and so thanks so much for talking about all your amazing stuff. I will definitely pre-order order the book that you recommended and looking out for all your new stuff i'm a big fan uh following you on well, social media likewise. thank yeah. you thank you very much for having me on the no podcast. problem at all and um next time you see paul black give him a big hug from me because he's <laughs> awesome he's awesome sauce he is okay you take care harry and i'll see yeah, you soon yeah we'll do cool okay. love, bye, love, take care. bye bye bye, bye. bye.
finally an episode where we didn't mention Penny Neville Lee. Oh, don't!